Thank you for listening to the Coal Mine Podcast. This is David Cole from Dallas, Texas, and it's the beginning of 2024. Recently, a nationwide backlash resulted from the testimony before Congress of three Ivy League presidents about language threatening anti-Semitic violence. In this episode, I examine how that problematic testimony came to happen. And consistent with the core of my advice about good legal writing on my 600-count blog, I focus on Aristotle's three principles for effective communication, the balancing of what he called ethos, pathos, and logos. In this episode, I examine how the president's testimony did not make an appropriate balance of those factors and consider how it could have been more effective if the testimony had done so. At a recent congressional hearing, the presidents of Harvard, MIT, and the University of Pennsylvania were asked whether calling for the genocide of Jews amounted to bullying and harassment on their campuses under those campuses' anti-harassment policies. Each president said that the answer would depend on the context. Those answers didn't play well in the media, and the resulting backlash led to the resignation of the University of Pennsylvania's president and public apologies by the other university leaders. I'll come back to that testimony in a moment. Right now, I want to hold that thought and travel back to ancient Greece in the 4th century BC. Aristotle, perhaps the most influential philosopher of all time, gave a great deal of thought to effective communication, specifically in the discipline of what he and his contemporaries called rhetoric. Ancient Greece, and Athens in particular, highly valued public speaking because of the democratic political system in that city that required citizens to participate actively in civic life. Rhetoric, as understood by Aristotle, was not just a tool to persuade, but a medium for accurately and effectively conveying truth and knowledge. His ideas about rhetoric were responses to both the practical needs of Athenian society and his philosophical understanding of the broader issues of ethics, logic, and human nature. Specifically, in his work entitled Rhetoric, Aristotle set out to analyze and define principles for persuasive and effective communication. He believed it was based on a balance of three fundamental factors, ethos, pathos, and logos. I'll briefly review those concepts, and then I'll come back to the President's recent testimony with those ideas in mind. Ethos is about trust. When we talk to others, they need to believe and trust us for us to have effective communication with them, for them to be confident they are not being misled or ripped off or something. To achieve that end, we have to be honest, show that we're honest, and earn the trust of the people in our audience. For example, a doctor talking to a longtime patient about the patient's health is trusted and has ethos, not just because of the doctor's knowledge and skill and familiarity with the case file, but because of years of interaction between that doctor and that patient about personal and important matters. Trust was earned, giving the doctor ethos. Pathos is about feelings, connection with people's emotions in the audience. We appeal to pathos whenever we tell stories or talk about subjects that make people feel happy, sad, excited, have some kind of emotional reaction, and by doing so, tend to listen more and become more engaged in the communication. Think about a classroom where a teacher tells a fun story to the class to keep the students interested in whatever they're talking about. That's an appeal to pathos. And logos is about logic, the intellect, using facts and step-by-step reasoning so the audience can better understand the speaker's point as an intellectual, rational matter. An example would be a scientist 
presenting the results of a series of experiments and laying out in step-by-step in accordance with good science and good experiment methodology why his hypothesis is a good one that you should accept. When we communicate in a way that balances these three concepts, ethos, pathos, and logos, we're just more effective. In my own practice area of litigation, I'm constantly striving to balance them. Often, I have to think about whether to add one extra argument to a brief or a court presentation, and that is a temptation to add that one extra argument. That's logos. It adds to the intellectual quality of the presentation. But anytime you add something and enhance logos, it risks creating an imbalance by making potentially the overall presentation boring, thus reducing pathos, and reducing my own personal ethos by looking, frankly, kind of dorky, instead of someone who's really cut to the chase and focused on the key, most important matters for the court. That takes us back to the present day. These principles help highlight just what went wrong in the testimony by these university professors before Congress. The president's testimony had an overdose of logos. Saying that their decisions would depend on the circumstances is a logical and, frankly, honest answer, because in the real world, any time they would be confronting that kind of question, it would be in the context of some kind of emotionally charged public communication where a lot of people were there, there could be uncertainty about what was said and to who and for what reasons. Two other logical factors that probably tipped the scales of their thinking in favor of the answer about circumstances. One was general litigation advice. It's generally good advice in preparation for deposition testimony for the witness to not stake out positions that you don't just absolutely have to stake out. That's why I don't recall or I don't remember is such a common answer to deposition questions. The witness avoids unnecessary admissions that can potentially be quoted back against them in court and simultaneously preserve the witness's flexibility for later testimony at trial. Relatedly, the president's answer was generally consistent with the controlling First Amendment law. Now, that applies as against government. Uh, it's only a roughly analogous to speech regulation at private universities. But nevertheless, what the Supreme Court tells us about the contours of the First Amendment is obviously important to any discussion about what is acceptable and unacceptable communication. And here we have very specific guidance from the Supreme Court. A 1969 case called Brandenburg versus Ohio involved a leader of the Ku Klux Klan, a gentleman named Clarence Brandenburg, who made a speech at a Klan rally. And he said, This is an organizer's meeting. We have had quite a few members here today. We're not a revengeant organization, but if our president, our Congress, our Supreme Court continues to suppress the white Caucasian race, it's possible that there might have to be some revengeance taken. It's not entirely clear what revengeance is, but it certainly sounds violent, and the speech did lead to a criminal prosecution against Mr. Brandenburg for violating Ohio laws about encouraging violence. The Supreme Court reversed the conviction, held it to be improper under the First Amendment, and held that as a general matter of First Amendment law, the government may not prohibit speech unless that speech is directed to, and likely to cause, immediate lawless action. The Brandenburg case and the principle that it stands for that's extremely protective of speech was certainly on the president's minds somewhere when they were testifying and discussing about their campus speech codes. But all that said, the words chosen by the presidents, however logical and well-intentioned they were, had a problem with pathos. 
which is ultimately about forming an emotional connection, about making your audience feel something. And here, the president's just missed an opportunity. In talking about genocide, obviously a deeply emotional topic, they could simply have shown empathy, acknowledging the importance of the issue, the emotional impact on the community and the students involved, and frankly, just talking like normal people who don't say it depends on the circumstances when confronting something that's highly emotionally charged. That leads to the remaining Aristotelian factor, ethos, personal credibility. Normal people, like I just said, don't say it depends on the circumstances in a highly charged, emotionally significant situation. Ethos stands for the idea that it's not just what you say, but it's who you are when you're saying it. And here, the presidents just seemed detached from the students and the universities that they lead. Ivory Tower is a phrase that comes to mind. And that appearance undermined their personal credibility. To strengthen their ethos, they needed to speak not just as administrators, but as compassionate leaders who understood and cared about these significant issues. As it was, they sounded more like bureaucrats, not the leaders of what we know to be very dynamic educational institutions. And whatever benefit the presidents may have thought they were getting in the logical intellectual realm, they quickly gave up when they got back to campus. Facing angry students and angry alumni, each of them did a 180 degree turn on what they had said to Congress, said that the type of speech they were asked about would violate student content codes, and that shows that at the end of the day, whatever abstract intellectual goal they were trying to achieve, better litigation position or greater match with First Amendment law, it just wasn't that big a deal. It was more important in the final analysis to have effective communication, to relinquish that advantage, to restore their personal credibility, their ethos as leaders, and recapture the imagination, the emotional energy of their constituencies and their students and faculty and alumni of their universities. Which then leads to simply imagining what could have happened if they had balanced all three principles. They could have presented a logical response grounded in what the codes say and the fact that there will be some back and forth in any actual disciplinary proceeding brought against a real student. But while acknowledging those realities and explaining them, they could have shown empathy and understanding, pathos, and they could have spoken like true concerned leaders, not bureaucrats, which would have earned and reinforced their trust at a personal level, ethos. This balanced approach could have reduced or maybe even outright avoided the backlash that ended up being the result of their testimony about taking things in context. And this alternative approach could have also helped lay a foundation towards a more constructive dialogue and wiser decisions about the very sensitive issues. The current conflict in the Middle East is right out of today's headlines, a situation that just arose a few weeks ago. But the human speech and interaction about that new conflict involves principles that are timeless, and those timeless principles can help inform what we do today about this situation. Aristotle's advice about effective communication is timeless. In any important communication, it's critical to balance ethos, pathos, and logos. That's not an abstract intellectual exercise. It's an examination of not only what we say, but how we say it, and who we are when we say it. Upcoming episodes of Coal Mind will continue to examine the important communications of our time, particularly as the country begins to travel the long road towards selecting its next president. 
If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to join other happy listeners and leave a kind five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon.